0: Restoring Place Church, the church of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center, is a place where we make disciples of Christ, teach and train them to live as children of God, and to thrive in who He created them to be. We believe that this is the best time on earth to be alive, to experience the end time harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be renewed, recharged, and restored to go out and take the gospel to your world. Let's join our service already in progress.
1: Now today, it, this is interactive today, right? If I'm just up here talking, you're just listening, unless you're listening intently, but you have to be actively listening. So you need to get involved here, right? Don't make me preach by myself. Amen. <clears throat> just shout every once in a while. Somebody told me that if you, if you preach what everybody knows, they, they say amen a lot, because they already know it, amen? <laughs> <clears throat> if I'm even not saying that, I figure you ain't never heard it before. But it's a good day today, and God's going to speak to us, amen? And we're going to be the church he's called us to be, the on-fire church. As, as our pastor and father in the Lord, who, who is a prophet, J.C. has said this church is a healing church this is a healing center one of the healing one of the heal, it should be one of many healing centers in the charlotte i'm talking about physical manifestations of healing and if we don't talk about it we won't see it pretty much everything jesus did he declared it before we saw it but he knew that when he released it in faith it would come to pass <clears throat> god said light be when it was dark did you know that when it was dark, God didn't want it, so He called what He wanted, which is different than what He saw. And what He said came to pass. And He created us in His image and His likeness. So much that the, before the first flood, they were building this tower. And the counsel of God said, We better go confuse their language because whatever they imagine, they'll do. <clears> that they didn't go away. You know that? I know some of you put projects together sometimes. I, I have projects that I, I, I bring to pass. And I first see it in the vision first, and then I start thinking about it. I start talking about it. Before I can even build a new business, I got to get with an architect and tell him what I see in here. He puts it on paper, then we take it to a contractor. He looks at what we wrote that was in my heart. He begins to build it. And I'll walk around with it on a piece of paper and say, this is the new one. This is the new restaurant. That's just a piece of paper. No, it, it is on this paper. <clears throat> but what it is, is a project that's coming. And God saw what he wanted. He saw what he wanted in us before he ever started. And in our kids. Amen. We just got to get on the line that he drew for us. He went to the end of our life and worked it backwards <clears throat> and then told us by faith how to walk it out, and we're winners. Did you know that? Don't okay, care what you've been doing. You were born to be a winner. You were born to, to worship God. You were born to be a son or daughter of God. You're born, born to be a warrior. You're born, you born to live to victory. Now, if you let your past dictate it, you won't listen to what God's trying to tell you. But He'll tell you that you were born for victory. And, and in Corinthians, it says, thanks be unto God, which always causes us, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. In Christ, we always win. Amen. We win. And if we're winners, why would we walk around forlorn with a long face? Why would we worry about the things we hear that are contrary to what God said, as if they have more power than God to keep it from coming to pass? None. Nah. We get in an attitude of faith. We get in a choice of believing God. We'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. And we're called, we are called to get saved, but that's the beginning of our life. We're called to walk out through being born again, a predetermined, victorious plan God has for each one of our lives. And there's a whole sea of people out there that don't even know that. then it's unacceptable. we got to go tell them. That's why we go to those neighborhoods so we can tell people the truth. Because they may be in places it looks like they ain't no hope. And that means, hope means a joyful, intense expectation of good. Some of you today probably have a a lack of intense, joyful expectation of good. There are some situations in your life you say, I just don't know how this is ever going to turn out good. Well, apart from God, you're you're probably right. But with God, nothing's impossible. There's no situation you're going through that caught Jesus by surprise that he didn't cover by his shed blood on the cross. And what he made available to us through faith. It's glorious. And we're called to be glorious. And that doesn't mean we just walk around saying glory to God. It means we manifest the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Before I forget it, <clears throat> my wife is planning a women's night, July second, right here for all any and all women in Gary. Because Gary's going to run and record the sound. Karen said "Don't record it." I said, "You need to record it because you don't know what's going to come out that you wish you had written it down or wrote it down." So <clears throat> every woman in the city is available who wants to come. Just so you know, if you want to come. God's going to speak. They didn't have a name for it, so I gave it one. They may override me, but I just call it the women of fire. They're going to do a prayer night. And it's going to be right here, July 2nd, 7 p.m. All right? And I believe in God for good things. I'll probably be at home. (coughs) I will listen to it later, though. Make sure everything stays on track. Amen. And it will. It will. we just make a note of it. Susanna's helping Karen organize this. Hallelujah. So, yeah, there it is. Woman of Fire. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read you something from Isaiah 61. <clears throat> We're still celebrating Pentecost. We're still celebrating God giving his Holy Spirit. And Jesus called it the promise of God, the promise of my Father. The promise of God to humanity that he's going to send his Holy Spirit to live in us. To be our teacher and to be our guide. That we would never be without God. Forever. Because he he sent him to live on the inside of us. And I want to take the religion thing out of it. I want to take the Pentecostal thoughts out of it. And most of us think of Pentecost, we think of people speaking in tongues, and that is exactly what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, as long as you believe it and trust it. That's not the main focal point, because they said tongues will pass away. But God living on the inside of us will never pass away. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to abide with you forever, forever. But Jesus first modeled it for us. What Jesus did was a perfect model of a a human being filled with God. Jesus modeled in perfection what it's like for a man or woman to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Wow. And look what he did. And then he tells us to do what he did. And he's going to give us the same Holy Spirit that he had. The thing that bugs me is that we're not there yet. But we're on our way. And we're not trying to take this out of God's hand. We're trying to receive it. We are going to re- We are receiving it. We are going to walk in it. And we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We will be as Jesus called us to. He's the one that set the bar that high. And if we, if we think we're anything, we've missed the mark already. We won't be what he's called us to be. And maybe that's part of the root of the problem. Because right before he began to teach them about the Holy Spirit, he told them how to serve one another and how to walk in love and how to serve. And he he washed their feet and said, now if I did this to you and I'm your master, and yes, I am, and you're my servants, now if I did this for you, you go do the same thing. That part, yielding to him to be the least, will prepare you to be the greatest in the kingdom. If you go after being the greatest, you won't do it. If you go after being the least, make of yourself no reputation, knowing that you can do nothing by yourself, then God can use you. Amen? And he wants to use every one of us. He said whoever would believe in him, the same works that he did, we would do. Whoever believes. That means you and I, if we're willing to believe God, we'll see his goodness. He said, didn't I tell you if you believe, you'd see the glory of God? God wants to see. He sends the gifts of the Spirit to us. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, those. Those are for what He does in us. When we get born again, that fruit of the Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. It's what God does with His Spirit for you personally and for me personally. Now Him coming upon us and being in us for service is totally different. That's... One is for what he does for us, and secondly, when he comes on us, in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is what he's going to do in us and through us for others. Amen? That, that, that part's totally not about us. It's about us following him in the calling he has for us, equipped with power and fire to change the world around us. Too many times we start off down the road without it. I don't know how we can ever accomplish what God's called us to unless we yield to Him and let His Spirit in all the fullness that He's talked about live in us, move through us in miracles, signs, and wonders. He told the disciples, and we talked about this the last few weeks, He talked about the fact and the Great Commission, and I've rearranged my notes. He gave them a Great Commission between his resurrection and his ascension where he went back to sit at the the right hand of the father after he was raised from the dead after the crucifixion he gave them commissions before that even john 14 12 and he said and 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 i'm if you believe me then the works i do you doing greater works because i'm going to my father whatever you ask in my name that will i do that the father may be glorified the son if you ask anything in my name i'll do it if you love me keep my commandments And I will pray the Father, and he will give you, here's the promise, he will give you the promise of the Spirit. He will give you the Holy Ghost to live on the inside of you, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth in the world will not receive because it can't see him. But you know him because he's been with you, listen to this, but he shall be differently in you. He's been with you, but he's going to live in you. It is different. The world cannot receive him because it don't see him. But you know him because he's been with you. He shall be in you. He will be on the inside of us to transform the world. Amen. Whatever he did, he called us to do. If you believe on me, the works I'll do, you'll do. That was before the cross. Other times he gave them other circumstances, other things, and commissions to them that they couldn't quite fully understand. And then when he came back before the ascension... And Luke kind of carries it through. He's telling them, you go wait in Jerusalem. Don't do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit that my Father's promised you. And then he tells them in Acts 1 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Don't do anything. Go wait for the promise. He told them about it before. John the Baptist prophesied about it. God told John when he called him into the ministry. In the first chapter of John, when Jesus comes to be water baptized, and when he comes out of the water, John says publicly for all that to hear him, also for our benefit, because it was written down for us to know, right? He said, This is the one that God told me about when he called me into ministry. He said, One day I will see the Spirit of God descend upon a man and remain. He says, That's the one. Now listen to what John's saying. What they didn't fully understand yet yet had been prophesied by Amos and others. That's the one that's going to baptize humanity with the Holy Ghost in fire. When it happened again, I believe it's always happened throughout since the time of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. But it became more world evident early 1900, maybe from 1899 to 1900 in Topeka, Kansas where... These kids in the college were praying for the Holy Spirit to come. They said, Lord, we want what the the early church had in the Book of Acts. And almost at midnight, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It was with Charles Parham, I think it was. That was him teaching those kids. In 1905, it happened in Eastern North Carolina, because that's when my grandfather was about 16 years old, from what I understand near Falcon, North Carolina, which became the headquarters for the Pentecostal Holiness Church, 1905, 1906. 1906 in, in, uh, in the California, in Azusa Street in L.A., the Spirit of God fell on Seymour, Charles C- William Seymour, and they had several years of miraculous meetings where God's Spirit was pouring out on people. Even... <coughs> even ripples of that through other ministries later like for example Amy Simmel McPherson who did the Angelus Temple sometimes she'd preach and in a one mile radius people would get healed just on a, on a train going through I mean just God's power poured out that was never supposed to stop but I think what happened the devil used tongues as a way to split the church between those that prayed in tongues and those that didn't pray in tongues and so a lot of the churches said this is crazy we're not doing that But it was intended for every born-again believer to be filled with God's Spirit. And we all have the Holy Spirit to come and reside in us. But when he comes to live in us, for work, for what he's called us to, to change the world around us, he, he, he brings the Holy Spirit to us, for us, in the fruit of the Spirit, and to change our lives. And through renewing of our mind, God changes us from the inside out. But what he does... And you remember, look at Jesus, because Jesus walked that way, and God was ministering to him one-on-one. So that relationship that he had was personal in what God was doing in Jesus' life. But what he did in ministry, (laughs) it was miraculous. It It was beyond what people could imagine. Then they knew this is the one. This is the anointed one that God had been talking about. Not another anointed one, but the anointed one. Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, that one with the Holy Spirit on him doing things he could not do without the Holy Spirit being on him. So what he did as a man, anointed with God, was a perfect example of how we were supposed to live. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. Right? That means we studied to be like him. And he said if we would believe him, and he didn't just mean this one verse, but whatever he's taught us, which is really Genesis to Revelation because he is the Word of God. (laughs) But even the things he taught us in his earthly ministry, that will point us to the fact that we're called to be like him. We discipline our lives. We're striving, and we are coming to the place to be like him. Amen? When he... First started his ministry, he goes to his own hometown. I'm going to read something to you because this is his mandate, which is our mandate. His resurrection is our resurrection. His death is our death. His calling is our calling. Now, we have specifics inside of that. For example, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, everybody can't go to all the world. But as a body, we're called to go to all the world. And you, you see in Paul's ministry, he, he kept trying to go to Asia, and God, and God said, don't go there. don't." Go. And twice the Holy Spirit stopped him and said, no, I want you to go this way. Thomas went towards India. And Paul was eventually, one of his last things, he was trying to get to Spain. I don't think he ever made it. But God will call us in the body to do what he's equipped us to, but he gives us all the same Holy Spirit to work the miraculous not us, the miraculous, the miraculous moving through us, <clears throat> which is manifesting the glory of God. In that move that we follow the Holy Spirit, when we yield ourselves to him and his Holy Spirit goes through us, it brings glory to God. <clears throat> we should never really put too much of a preacher up on a pedestal because if he did anything good, it wasn't him. It was God. God. We really can't take ourselves too seriously, except being serious, I walk with God. in yielding ourselves to him to the point where Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. Even to the point, he said, if you don't believe me for what I say, at least I don't believe the Father's with me because the miracles you see me do. Because he could have said, you know, Nicodemus knew that, that I couldn't do anything by myself. Therefore, God must be with me. And But the religious leaders were arguing that he was not from God. He was saying, how can I not be from God? Look what's happening. In the church, the body of Christ, worldwide, you and me, we should be just like him. And we should change the city. First, change, he changes us, and then we begin to change those around us, being led by his Holy Spirit and doing what he's called us to do. This is not just get saved, go to church, go to heaven. You got saved to go do something. You had, you, you, got, you had to be saved to be equipped. Because you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you're born again. And I often say it this way, but I, I'm not, my main focus is not to get you born again. It's to get you filled with God. How can you say that? Well, before you can get filled with God, you've got to be born again. But I don't want to put the emphasis on just being born again. The emphasis needs to be on being filled with God. And if you think about when John the Baptist said... He didn't say anything about people being saved. He talked about this man, this one that I've just seen, the Spirit of God come upon him. He's going to baptize humanity with God's Spirit in his fire <clears throat> to do the works that he's called us to. In the Great Commission, in Matthew's account, I've, I usually, the last few weeks I've been bringing this up, he said, now you go, talking to the disciples now, <clears throat> he said, I'm going to send you to all the world and change it. And you go teach and make disciples of men and teach them to faithfully follow everything I've commanded you. <clears throat> well, if it's recorded in there, that's what he commanded them, that's our commandment too. When he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse lepers. I know you're listening to me, but it's the truth. It's what He said, that's our commandment too. Whatever he commanded them, we're commanded to do. <clears throat> I wish somebody had told me that earlier. I would have liked to have known that when I was about 14 instead of 40. Amen? Because there's a work he's called us to do that we can't do without him. <clears throat> what he's called us to do in this city, in this house, we might as well quit if he's not going to go with us. And Moses said, if you don't go with me, I, I ain't going because I can't do this by myself. But with God, nothing's impossible. And with God, everything that He tells us is possible to walk out. Amen? So Jesus, <coughs> after He was baptized in the water, He goes in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. The Holy Spirit took Him to the wilderness, and He spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness. And then he came back and went to his own hometown, and it was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah sixty-one. And I want to share that with you this morning. It's part of our calling. Whatever he's called to do, whatever he's equipped to do, we're called to do. We're equipped to do. If he's told us to do it, we're going to do it, and we're going to have to trust God to be the one with us to do it. Because, like Brother Hagin used to say, "I can't heal a gnat's wing. I, I really, and myself, I can't do anything." And I'll tell you myself, I can't do anything by myself. And I don't have anything to give you except what God's given me. And what he's given me is written in this book. This is what you need to know. This is the blueprint for life on this earth. God gave this to us. He protected this for us. He kept it for us. Said in the day that we're living and you were born for this day. And sometimes we say, man, I wish I lived in the early church days. Well, you weren't supposed to be there. You are supposed to be here now. And I'm telling you, these are better church days than those days. There's a big battle brewing. And we're in the middle of the fight. And we don't fight with flesh and blood. We fight with weapons of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? The Holy Spirit comes upon us for a purpose and a plan. He didn't always reveal everything to us. But he will show it to us as we step into it. Amen. Now this one. This is a broad prophetic word given to the Christ and his body, the church, (coughs) which is you and me. He's reading the prophecy of Isaiah. God told this to Isaiah. Isaiah wrote it down and Jesus fulfilled it 700 years later. Somebody may have spoken a word to you. If it's from God, you hold on to it. If you don't know, God will confirm it with somebody else. He won't give you a word without confirming it. If you hear something from God and you're not sure, just put it on the shelf until somebody brings it up again. Until God brings it up. Or he'll bring it up in his word. And when he gives you a word, you need to write it down somewhere. That's why I say on that July 2nd record it because we don't know what God's going to say. Amen? But if we don't get it, we'll miss it. And one time I had several prophecies that were spoken over Karen and I and this ministry, and I don't, I don't always have them all. I'm, I have them, a lot of them right here in my heart, but I lost a couple when my computer lost some of that stuff, and I hate I missed it. Sometimes Bill Johnson says he'll just, put, he'll just get somewhere and just put the prophetic recordings he has on and just listens to him, just reminding himself of what God said. And and God told the children of Israel to often remember what I said. Because what he said is important. Amen? This was the prophet Isaiah speaking by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote it down for the for the body of believers. They were the, 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 the nation of Israel. And it started even back when God, started in the garden when God spoke over Satan and told him there was one coming. <clears throat> the devil kept looking for one to come that was going to be what God said. Jesus comes and he's fulfilling the words that were spoken about. Even Isaiah spoke, many of the old prophets spoke about his coming. But this time, he's fulfilling and he's reading. He stands up and reads this prophetic word in Isaiah 61. God spoke it for a purpose. And though we look at it as if he's speaking only to the Jews or the children of Israel, he is. But because we belong to Christ, we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When we come into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, we become heirs of Abraham. Amen. There was a woman in the synagogue one time in Luke 13 that was bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. Jesus called her in the middle of the service, come here. And everybody watched her walk to the front. She was bowed together and couldn't, she couldn't stand up. And I don't think she was humped over. The scripture says she was bowed together, her chest against her knees. And he looked at her and said something contrary to what he saw. He says, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. There's a note how to minister healing. We, we, we follow him. We call what we want to come to pass because it is more true than what we see. And he laid hands on her and the woman was made straight and began to give glory to God. Now, I know she was hooping and hollering, but let me tell you, that act of God miraculously moving through Jesus into that woman where she was made straight, God's glory was on display. When we're called to give him glory, we're called to manifest his presence as believers. Amen? Say amen, somebody. I mean, I want you to get it. So if you say amen, that means so be it. Like, so be it for me, because I want that. Don't y'all want to live like that? I mean, don't you want to live like that he told us to live? This shouldn't be some pie-in-the-sky dream. If it is, it's become religion to us. It, it is real life, real spirit-filled living with God, filled with his spirit, his spirit, led by his spirit, moved by his spirit, empowered by his spirit. <clears throat> some things will block it. Not walking in love, being angry. Yielding to him in peace with that fruit of the spirit he deposits in us. For us and then used by the Holy Spirit through us. Amen. And Jesus begins to declare that he's been anointed for a purpose. Listen to what he said. The mighty spirit of Lord. Let me say it this way. Listen to what he was called to. And listen to what we've been called to. Amen. This was for him and his body. This is for Jesus and his church. This is for Jesus and for us. Say amen. If we're going to do the works he did, then we're going to have to have the same anointing that he had. Right? How, how How could we do what he did unless we have what he had? Because he said, I can do nothing of myself. Therefore, we know he wasn't by himself. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he begins to read a 700-and-some-year-old prophecy given by God to Isaiah to write it down for a specific day, and Jesus began to read this. He said, the mighty Spirit of the Lord, this is a passion translation, so it's a little different <clears throat> than what I've memorized over the years. The mighty Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me, and because Yahweh has, because Yahweh has anointed me. As a messenger to preach good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor. If you're poor, you don't need a healing message. You don't need a peace message. You need a message that tells you that God has blessed you. Amen? Good news to the poor is that you don't have to be poor. Good news to the sick is you don't have to be sick. Good news to the distressed is you don't have to be distressed. How do we get it to them? Through speaking the word of God. Speaking the words of God. Amen. Because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the broken hearted. To tell captives you are free. And to tell prisoners be free from your darkness. He was anointed to declare. And once the declaration was made the power was given through the spoken word he had. And that power would, when it met with a heart of faith, came to pass. Amen. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace. And a time of God's recompense on his enemies. To comfort all who are in sorrow. Not some, all. If you're in sorrow, God was anointed. Jesus was anointed. The church, the body of Christ has been anointed to declare it. We haven't done this well. (laughs) Now we know we shall. Amen. Say this after me. I will do what God has called me to do. And I will find out what he's called me to do. And I will do it empowered by his Holy Spirit. Amen. To comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion. Those crushed by despair. There are those in the body of Christ that are crushed and are in sorrow. No more. We have no reason to be in sorrow, to be in despair. We had reasons. Until God anointed Jesus in his church. And then we as him declare and enforce the glory of God and the truth of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God that he's talking about right here. It now becomes illegal. I was going to tell you this and I got off track. God spoke it in the garden and then he spoke it to Abraham. He says, "Abram, get up from here and from where you are and you're living and go to a place I will show you. And I will make of you. A great nation. God went to Abram and began to declare goodness, victory, and truth. And the words that God declared carried the truth of it that made it possible for Abraham to walk out what God called him to. And he put faith in what God said. He says, and I will make of you a great nation or a great tribe or a great family. He said this to a couple that had never had a child. He's 75, she's 65. She was barren, but now she's past age, and so was he. And he says to them, I will make of you a great nation. They could have gone, Lord, don't you know that we're barren? <laughs> it do not make any difference. What you've been going through when God declares you is truth, because his truth will override everything that's not in line with it. When it's in harmony with a heart, that's open and receptive to his truth <clears throat> which is an act of your will to walk by faith and the faith of God's been given to you because it comes to you through the Word of God amen faith comes and it comes because we receive it not just cause we heard it because we can hear it and say, "Eh, I don't believe that but when we hear it diligently and obey him then God's able to move through us amen Paul said in the church of Colossae, Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, the expectation of the glory of God. <clears throat> when Jesus, this is visible and easy to see, but when Jesus walked in the miraculous of God, he was glorifying God. Amen. What he did was giving glory to him. He didn't say, look what I'm doing. Because he already said, I can't do anything without him. But look, he's here. Give him glory. Give that glory to him. Amen. That glory, it's just not a verbal thank you. It's a manifestation of his riches and his power that goes, "Ah, I've just seen something that's just not in the natural realm. Because God doesn't live in the natural realm. He lives in the supernatural realm. And for him... That's just natural. <laughs> his supernatural to him is just the, his, his method of operation. That's it, just the way he operates. He operates according to his word. And actually, if you operate according to his word, you'll see the glory, the, the glory of God yourself. All right. To comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed by the spear who mourn in Zion... To give them a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes. The oil of bliss instead of tears. And the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Because of this, they, who are they? Those that have a spirit of heaviness. Those who mourn, those who are in sorrow, those who are blind, those who are poor. Those who are down and out. Those who are without hope. Because of the anointing of God upon Jesus and upon His church, they take the message of the gospel of the kingdom to these people that are down and out, those that are in despair, and they become, because of this, they will be known, they will be known because of this anointing received. They will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness, planted by God Himself as a living display of his glory. Wow. Living display of his glory. Every one of us should come out of what we're in and be a living display. Jesus was a living display of the glory of God. They will restore those that were crushed Those that were in despair, those that were broken, those that were blind, those that were sick, those that were forgotten, overlooked, ignored, they will become trees of righteousness planted by God as a living display of His glory, and they will restore ruins from long ago. They, those ones that were forgotten about, overlooked, crushed, in sorrow, in despair, In the worst situations, those who were like that become a living display of his glory and they will repair the ruins from long ago. They will change the natural realm. They will change change the ruins of this city, of this nation and rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of past generations. Wow! I wrote this down <clears throat> we don't get rebuilders until we get broken people healed we don't get rebuilders <clears throat> until we get broken people healed there are broken people everywhere There's broken people in the tops of the banks. Well, they're not in the top of the banks right now, but when they come back, there's broken people there. There's broken people out in the street, outside, looking for food. The truth is what will make them free from what they've been through. You and I are called, not only called to declare the truth, but we are equipped to display God's glory. It's not something we're going to have to wrestle out of God's hand. It's something he shed blood to give us. It's something that he sacrificed his son to reap a harvest. Just like the one Jesus reaped. Amen. We're called to do that. And we're going to do it. Amen. What else I want to show you? In Romans, 8th chapter, this is called a glorious destiny. Who we are. Let me back up. In the 7th chapter of of, uh, Romans, Paul is talking about the fact I, I would want to do good things, but I don't. I want to do things I don't want to do, I do. He said, who can save me from this wretched person that I am? And we've read that in churches. They're like, this: who we all are, just wretched people that want to do good and don't, and want to don't and want to do bad, and we do it. But he said, but who can save? Let me just read it to you. Just so you know I'm not making it up. Through my experience, well, here it is. I'm a mystery to myself, this is verse, uh, chapter seven, verse 15. For I want to do what's right, but I end up doing what it morally uh, instructs, what my moral instincts condemn. And if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. And now I realize that it is no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of any any of my fallen humanity. The longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within me, my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. But I discern another power operate in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity What an agonizing situation I am in. Sue, who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I give all my thanks to God, for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we used to be, not who we are. You know, when we were walking with the devil, we knew... uh, (laughs) This ain't the right road to take. And if you squash it long enough, your heart becomes callous to it and you just keep on sinning and don't even think about it. But early on, we think about that and we knew it. And Paul's saying this, not as a born-again believer, helpless to sin. No sin has been dealt with. The power of sin has been put under the cross. Sin has no authority over me. Jesus said in, in John Uh, I think it's 14. He says, they're coming to get me, but Satan has nothing on me, so he can't hurt me. (laughs) Because there's no sin in his life, Satan can't get a foothold in on him. And you understand that when we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we're not just old sinners saved by grace. We used to be sinners, but now we're the righteousness of God in Christ. When we disqualify ourselves, it's based on our previous actions and our previous thoughts. And understandably so, were it not for the blood of Jesus, we'd be in trouble, but fully receive the blood of Jesus and how it cleanses us. He became sin who knew no sin that you and I would become. And, I, and I, there's a group that I do Bible study with every week, and I, and I talk to, the, to them about this a lot because most <coughs> Christians out there think I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. In other words, I'm an old sinner. I've just been saved by grace, but I ain't got no future. <laughs> well, golly, Pete, if the devil can talk us into that kind of thinking, he's defeated us. And Paul's saying, who can save me from this wretched man that I am? He says, thanks be unto God, because Christ has set me free. Amen. We're free from that. Don't let, don't think in a religious way that you're just down under. You were until Christ raised you up with him. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2 tells us, God, even when we were in that state of trespass and sin, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. It's really actually nothing we could do for ourselves to put us in that position except believe on what He done, what He has done to bring us into the righteousness of God. Through the blood of Jesus, God looks at us and sees us just like He did his son. That's why the next part of 8 says, So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joining life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. There is therefore no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law, this is a law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death and everything that entails. Amen, we're free. We're free. Paul goes on to say, and this is titled, the sons and daughters destined to glory. glory, We are destined to walk in the glory of God. And it's not your glory, my glory. And that's what everybody, when you start trying to find out who you are in Christ, well-meaning religious people will try to keep you from going off the deep end or getting out there too far and acting too crazy. Because you know you don't want to get out of balance. We're so far out of balance the wrong way, it's not even funny. We can run back this way a thousand years and not catch up. Except through his word and faith, it happens instantaneously. The mature... Children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. It's a way of life. It's not a Sunday morning thing. It's the way we walk every day in presence with Him. Psalms ninety-one. I, I, I've said this before, but when He brings it to my attention, I, I like to go back and think about it. This is a, this particular psalm was the one of my grandfather, the Pentecostal preacher who was healed in a meeting told my daddy, read this every day. And it starts off, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who himself makes an effort to dwell in God's presence. If you draw near to me, God says, I'll draw near to you. If we're not in his presence, it's because we've not turned to go there. It's not a geographical GPS location. It's a place in Him. And you've got to know that He's everywhere. That means that if He's everywhere, then he's, then he's... I mean, and we're somewhere in everywhere, then we cannot escape His presence. But if I thought in my wallet, I had nothing, but I opened it up and there's $100. I said, look, I, there's, I didn't even know that was there and allows me to do things I couldn't do before because I didn't know it it existed in my wallet. And if we don't know that God's right here with us, we'll be searching for him and not find him. But when we know that when we turn to him, he's present because if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Jesus often talks about, and there's about three different messages here coming out. I'm trying to stay on track with one. But that part, part, when he tells us, Jesus says, uh, enter into life union with me because I'm already, this is in John 15. Enter into life union with me because I've already entered into life union with you. We're not waiting on him to enter in. He has entered into a life union situation with us. So he says, now he invites us to come in. If you draw near to me, he says, and I'll draw near to you. That means he's drawn to the point he's coming. He says, now you come, and then I'll meet you. He who dwells in the secret place, the most high, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he can, that one who's drawn, can say to the Lord, he's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. In him I trust. Surely he will deliver me. Here's your message. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowl and from the horse and peasant. He has promises like this for us, for our spouse, for our kids, for our parents, for everyone in our, in our sphere of influence and in our families. That's the part of him coming to live in us, not the, the part he comes to equip us. But we surely got to see who we are in him because we've chosen to live in him and he's living in us and we are the cleanse of the Lord. Because his Holy Spirit will not move through powerfully a vessel that's not cleansed nor yielded. If we're not seeing the miraculous hand of God moving in our life, it's not because he's not ready. If we're going to be like him, then we're going to have to do what he did, right? I mean, we can't pick our own path and end up like Jesus if we don't do what he did, right? Whatever way he took should be the way we take. We've disciplined ourselves to be like him, right? We choose to come to that place in him where he was, but we got to do what he did to get there. First of all, He spent an eternity in the past face-to-face with God. And the only time he was separated from God was just for a short three days and three nights until the Holy Spirit raised him up again from the dead. But the most important thing he did was spend his time face-to-face with his father. And that's you and me. We're going to have to get to that place and we have access to the place, it's, it's not like it's not available to us. We just need to turn, repent, and go towards it. Amen? In, in fellowship with Him. And if He tells us to live that way, then it has to be available for us to be there. A lot of these things that God calls us to do, just the fact that He calls us to do them, means it's available for us to walk it out. Amen? Amen? We draw near to him, and he'll draw near, he's not off somewhere in the stars, not thinking about you until you call near to him, until you come near to him. He's sitting, waiting to meet you face to face. That's more important than anything we would do on his behalf. That's more important than anything we can do in his service is to turn to Him and stay connected to Him. And because He commands us or gives us the opportunity to, that means it's fully available to us. We're not sitting here waiting on Him to show up. (laughs) He was here before we got here. (laughs) And we dedicate this place to Him. And Jesus said, if you come in, in my name... I'll be there. Just think about that. Every Sunday when we pray, even if someone says it before me, I'm going to declare it, we are gathered in his name. In case you didn't hear it, that every time we come together, we're gathered in the name of Jesus, of Nazareth, the Christ, which means the anointed one. Just his name talks about the fact of Jesus anointed with God that he blazed a way for you and I to be anointed with God too. Amen? If we realize, and we are, beginning to realize what he's done for us, then we can take our, stay, our place and step into the place he's called us to be and do everything he's called us to do. Amen. Christ in you, the anointing of God in you, the expectation, the hope of the glory of God. Amen. Well, it's Communion Sunday. Did y'all get anything out of that? Somebody? Okay, all right. Just out something. Say hello, hallelujah. Y'all can talk. Just say amen. Don't y'all want that? what God's called us and told us about this house don't we want that don't you want to know that when we come together God's here and he shows up and things happen we, we can't do by ourselves he told us to, to go after it <laughs> he expects us to live in it he's given us his, his Holy Spirit as a gift for an eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Didn't I tell you that if you believe, we would see the glory of God? The glory of God. The glory of God. When Abraham and Sarah had a baby, that was the glory of God. That was a miracle. You can say miracles are the glory of God. I see the glory of God in so many things, just 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 standing outside sometimes and just looking at what God created and just watching everything about this creation. It all gives him glory. As you're getting the elements, let me read this last thing to you. Paul says, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that's about to be unveiled unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters wow. for against it for against its will the universe itself for against its will the universe has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin the universe suffered because of our sin but yet the universe is now standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's sons and daughters. Praise God. <sighs> Amen. Say <clears throat> love. Think about that. Everybody Ready? On the last night that Jesus was with his disciples. He took the bread and said, this is my body that was broken for you. Remember. You know, God always wants us to remember. Why? Because if we forget, we'll miss something. If we forget, we won't walk in all that he did for us. He took the children of Israel out on a Passover when the death angel came through but had to pass over the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and lentils of the homes of those that prepared themselves and remembered what God, if he forgot that night, it is trouble. You remember what he did. And then every year after that, he says, remember. Remember. That was the night before they left. That was Seder, the night before Passover. On that night before Passover, in Jesus' day, he says, This is my body. That lamb was slain before the sun went down. This lamb was slain before the sun went down. On the same day before Passover began, Jesus died. On the same day in Passover, the lamb died. Darkness went down. They ate it. The next morning, they left. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this as often as you come together to affectionately call me to remembrance of everything I've told you. Well, this morning, we remembered a lot of what he said, right? He said, do this to call me affectionately to remembrance of all that I've told you. Take heed. This is my body. We do this, Jesus, to call you to remembrance of what you said, affectionately. Then you took the cup. and said, "This, this, this cup is my blood." And John, I think it's eight chapter, eight or six, I can't remember about this minute, but he says to. A huge crowd. If you want to have part with me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Man, they just left. Down to 12. And he said to them, aren't you guys leaving too? Peter says, well, sounds like a good idea, but we ain't got no place to go. You speak the words of life. Life. Not death, life. His death became my life. And this is my blood, he said. As often as you gather together, do this to call me affectionately of the covenant I have cut with you. Everything he said was guaranteed by his blood. Do this to call me remembrance of that covenant. Amen. Amen. <coughs> You can do this every day, every meal you can say blood and flesh <clears throat> and remember what he said. I dare say it wouldn't hurt us ever to keep in our thoughts what he said and meditate them day and night, amen? Before we go, we're going to curse cancer and sickness. We're going to walk out what he told us to do, Amen. Jesus told us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, freely have we receive, freely give. So before we go, and if you're watching by internet or listening by podcast, you can partake in this. He told us to heal and raise the dead. Sickness is delivered by many ways. One, by the name of Jesus, which we're used to by speaking to the sickness or disease. Jesus did that. He spoke to the fever on Peter's mother-in-law. He told us to act like him and do like him and be like him. So if you have cancer in your body, someone in your family has cancer, or you know someone has cancer, I want you to stand to your feet. If you're watching this online or you're listening to the podcast, you stand where you are unless you're driving, then just stand up on the inside. Amen? And if you have any other sickness, any other disease, any abnormality, anything that you need deliverance from, oppression, depression, addictions, sexual perversions, whatever it is, if you need deliverance, stand to your feet. We'll first deal with the cancer, then we'll deal with the other things, amen? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the command of our... Commander Jesus, Lord of our life, King, High Priest, and Elder Brother, Statesman from the Kingdom of Heaven, we speak to cancer, we commanded to die. When I ask you to call your name or their name out, I've got a list I've got to read. Names we've been gathering for some time. Some are healed, some are still standing, some I don't know. But when I tell you to call their name, and I want you to call their name or your name out, Amen. And then in just a minute we'll deal with the other part of sickness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the physical bodies of the people's names, we call out right now: Shirley, Richard, Chris, call their name out. Darnell, in your phone, at your home, on TV, internet, wherever. Call out their name, Melinda, Bridget, Leslie, Blake, Paul, Jack, Lee, Tony, Marcia, Sean, Alice, Peter, Cross, Linda, Billy, Jill, Thomas, Jillian, Cole, and Sherry. We're speaking to the cancer in these bodies, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cancer cells, and we command you to die. Cease and desist of your maneuvers, stop your work, and get out of their body in Jesus' name. If you are demonic in nature, you cancer we were speaking to, then in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he told us to cast out devils. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you foul, unclean spirits of cancer, we command you to loose them and let them go. Furthermore, if there's any cancer cells within the sound of my voice in this room, on internet or in the podcast. We speak to any cancerous cell, we command you to die. Maybe it's just one cell. Maybe it's it's so small we don't even know it's yet there. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, cancer, we command you to stop your maneuvers. Cease and desist and die and get out of their body in Jesus' name. And if you are demonic in nature, again, likewise, loose them and let them go. And then we speak to healing of your physical body from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet. We release the Holy Spirit power of God and say... Be healed and be whole and be fruitful and do all that God's called you to be. Every sickness, every disease, every malady, every palsy, every demonic stronghold, every addiction, every perversion, anything that's keeping people from walking in the fullness of the power of God and the, and the, and the glorious inheritance that we have as members of the body of Christ, we command you to stop. And leave them and loose them in Jesus' name. We speak healing and peace over people. Regardless of what the situation is, we command you. No, we, we ask you to come into the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray a prayer. Repeat this after me. If you're a believer, repeat it out loud. If you want to come into the kingdom, now's the time to do so. Paul said through the leading of the Holy Spirit, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means we say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I, I, I surrender my life to I, I made a mess of it by myself, and now I want to be right with God. If we compare, if we, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. For with the heart, men believe unto righteousness, and the mouth, of confession is made unto salvation. We're going to pray for that. We're also going to pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about today. Jesus said, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more would the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? If we ask Him, He will fill us. So repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father. Now y'all repeat it after. There's believers in here too. Y'all speak out loud with your mouth. Heavenly Father. Today I declare... Jesus is Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. So according to your word in my profession of faith I'm now saved. Thank you, Father. Now take my life and do something with it. Father, you also said that if I ask you you would fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. So I ask you, fill me, Father. Refill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'll receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you again for being our guest here on The Voice of Healing. When you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, join us for our 10 a.m. Sunday morning service. Our website, restoringplace.org, has all the details on how to find us. While you're on our site, check out ways you can volunteer at the Dream Center. Need someone to answer questions about us or to pray with you 24-7? Call our prayer line at 704-904-9025.